Chapter Forty Two of Ms. Marchbanks. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ms. Marchbanks by Mrs. Oliphant. Chapter Forty Two. Mr. Cavendish thought he had been an object of admiration to Maria Brown, as we have said. He thought of it with a little middle-aged complacency and a confidence that this vague sentiment would stand the test he was about to apply to it which did honour to the freshness of his heart with this idea it was miss brown he asked for as he knocked at the major's door and he found them both in the drawing-room maria with gloves on to hide the honourable stains of her photography which made her comparatively useless when she was out of her studio and her father walking about in a state of excitement which was indeed what mr cavendish expected the two exchanged a guilty look when they saw who their visitor was they looked as people might well look who had been caught in the fact and did not know how to get over it they came forward both of them with a cowardly cordiality and eagerness to welcome him how very good of you to come to see us so soon miss brown said and fluttered and looked at her father and could not tell what more to say and then a dead pause fell upon them such a pause as not unfrequently falls upon people who have got through their mutual greetings almost with an excess of cordiality they stopped short all at once and looked at each other and smiled and made a fatal conscious effort to talk of something it is so good of you to come so soon miss brown repeated perhaps you have been to see lucilla and then she stopped again slightly tremulous and turned an appealing gaze to her papa i have come to see you said mr cavendish plucking up all his courage i have been a long time gone you know but i have not forgotten carlingford and you must forgive me for saying that i was very glad to hear i might still come to see miss brown as for lydia said the candidate looking about him with a smile ah lydia said her sister with a sigh her eldest is eight mr cavendish we don't see her so often as we should like marriage makes such a difference of course it is quite natural she should be all for her own family now quite natural said mr cavendish and then he turned to the major i don't think there are quite so many public changes as i expected to see the old rector always holds out and the old colonel and you have not done much that i can see about the new paving you know what i have come about major and i am sure i can count upon you to support me the candidate said with a great deal more confidence than he felt in his voice major brown cleared his throat his heart was moved by the familiar voice and he could not conceal his embarrassment i hope nothing will ever occur he said to make any difference in the friendly feelings i am sure i shall be very glad to welcome you back permanently to carlingford you may always rest assured of that and he held out his hand but he grew red as he thought of his treachery and maria who was quaking over it did not even try to say a word to help him and as for mr cavendish he took up his position on the arm of the sofa as he used to do but he had a slim youthful figure when he used to do it and now the attitude was one which revealed a certain dawning rotundity very different as maria afterwards said from one's idea of mr cavendish he was not aware of it himself but as these two people looked their simultaneous thought was how much he had changed 
thank you you are very kind said mr cavendish i have been a little lazy i am afraid since i came here but i expect my agent down to-night and then i hope you'll come over to my place and have a talk with woodburn and centum and the rest about it i am a poor tactician for my part you shall contrive what is best to be done and i'll carry it out i suppose i may expect almost to walk over he said it was the confidence of despair that moved him the more he saw that his cause was lost the more he would make it out that he was sure to win which is not an unusual state of mind i-i don't know i am sure said poor major brown to tell the truth i though i can safely say my sympathies are always with you cavendish i have been so unfortunate to commit myself you know it was quite involuntary i am sure for i never thought my casual expression of opinion likely to have any weight papa never will perceive the weight that is attached to his opinion said miss brown i was not thinking of it in the least maria said the modest major but the fact is it seems to have been that that decided ashburton to stand and after drawing a man into such a thing the least one can do is to back him out in it nobody had an idea then you know that you were coming back my dear fellow i assure you if i had known but if even you had known you know you never meant it papa said maria and mr cavendish sat on the arm of the sofa and put his hands deep into his pockets and dropped his upper lip and knit his eyebrows a little and listened to the anxious people excusing themselves he did not make any answer one way or another he was terribly mortified and disappointed and it went against his pride to make any further remonstrances when they had done he got down off his seat and took his right hand out of his pocket and offered it to miss brown who putting her own into it poor soul with the remembrance of her ancient allegiance was like to cry well he said if that is the case i suppose i need not bother you any longer you'll give me your good wishes all the same i used to hear of ashburton sometimes but i never had the least idea he was so popular and to tell the truth i don't think he's any great things to brag of though i suppose it's not to be expected i should appreciate his qualities mr cavendish added with a laugh as for miss brown it was all she could do to keep from crying as he went away she said she could see by the way he left the drawing-room that he was a stricken dear and yet notwithstanding this sympathetic feeling she could not but acknowledge when miss marjoribanks mentioned it that to have been such a handsome man he was inconceivably gone off mr cavendish went up grange lane with his hands in his pockets and tried to think that he did not care but he did care all the same and was very bitter in his mind over the failure of friends and the vanity of expectations the last time he had walked past those garden walls he had thought himself sure of the support of carlingford and the personal esteem of all the people in all the houses he was passing it was after the archdeacon had broken down in his case against the man whom he called an adventurer and when mr cavendish felt all the sweetness of being a member of an oligarchy and entitled to the sympathy and support of his order now he went along the same path with his hat over his ears and his hands in his pockets and rage and pain in his heart 
whose fault was it that his friends had deserted him and carlingford knew him no more he might as well have asked whose fault it was that he was getting stout and red in the face and had not the same grace of figure nor ease of mind as he used to have he had come very near to settling down and becoming a man of domestic respectability in this quiet place and he had just escaped in time and had laughed over it since and imagined himself with much glee an old fogey looking after a lot of children but the fact is that men do become old fogies even when they have no children to look after and lose their figure and their elasticity just as soon and perhaps a little sooner in the midst of what is called life than in any milder scene of enjoyment and it would have been very handy just now to have been sure of his election without paying much for it he had been living fast and spending a great deal of money and this after all was the only real ambition he had ever had and he had thought within himself that if he won he would change his mode of life and turn over a new leaf and become all at once a different man when a man has made such a resolution and feels not only that a mere success but the moral reformation depends upon his victory he may be permitted to consider that he has a right to win and it may be divined what his state of mind was when he had made the discovery that even his old friends did not see his election to be of any such importance as he did and could think of a miserable little bit of self-importance or gratified vanity more than of his interests even the women who had once been so kind to him he had just got so far in his thoughts when he met mr centum who stared for a moment and then burst into one of his great laughs as he greeted him good lord cavendish is this you i never expected to see you like that the banker said in his coarse way you're stouter than i am old fellow and such an adonis as you used to be mr cavendish had to bear all this without giving way to his feelings or even showing them any more than he could help it nobody would spare him that imbecile suggestion as to how things used to be to be growing stouter than centum without centum's excuse of being a well-to-do householder and father of a family and respectable men from whom stoutness was expected was very bitter to him but he had to gulp it down and recollect that centum was as yet the only influential supporter except his brother-in-law whom he had in carlingford what have you been doing with yourself since you came that nobody has seen you said mr centum if you are to do any good here you know we shall have to look alive i have been ill said the unfortunate candidate with a little natural loss of temper you would not have a man to trudge about at this time of year in all weathers when he is ill i would not be ill again if i were you till it's all over said mr centum we shall have to fight every inch of our ground and i tell you that fellow ashburton knows what he's about he goes at everything in a steady sort of way he's not brilliant you know but he's sure brilliant said mr cavendish i should think not it is lucilla marjoribanks who is putting him up to it you know she had an old grudge at me oh nonsense about lucilla said mr centum i can tell you ashburton is not at all a contemptible adversary he's going to work in the cunningest way not a woman's sort of thing and he's not a ladies man like you the banker added with a laugh but i am afraid you can't go in for that sort of thing as you used to do cavendish you should marry and settle and become a steady member of society now you've grown so stout this was the kind of way in which he was addressed even by his own supporter who uttered another great laugh as he went off upon his busy way 
it was a sort of thing mr cavendish was not used to and he felt it accordingly to be sure he knew that he was ten years older and that there were several things which he could not do with the same facility as in his youth but he had saved up carlingford in his imagination as a spot in which he would always be young and where nobody should find out the difference and instead of that it was precisely in carlingford that he was fated to hear how changed he was with a frankness which only old friends would have been justified in using as for lucilla marjoribanks she was rather better looking than otherwise and absolutely had not gone off it did not occur to mr cavendish that this might be because lucilla at present was still not so old as he had been ten years ago in the period which she now considered his youth he was rather disposed on the contrary to take a moral view and to consider that it was her feminine incapacity for going too far which had kept years and amusements from having their due effect upon miss marjoribanks and poor fellow he had gone too far he had not been as careful in his life as he might have been had he stayed at carlingford and now he was paying the penalty such was the edifying state of mind which he had come to when he reached the top of grove street and there a waft of soft recollections came across his mind in the absence of all sympathy he could not help turning back to the thought of the enchantress of old who used to sing to him and listen to him and storm at him probably he would have ended by strolling along the familiar street and canvassing for mr lake's vote which would have done him no good in carlingford but just then dr marjoribanks stopped in his brougham the doctor was looking very strange that morning though nobody had particularly remarked it perhaps because he smoothed his countenance when he was out of the brougham which was his refuge when he had anything to think about but he stopped suddenly to speak to mr cavendish and perhaps he had not time to perform that ceremony he looked dark and cloudy and constrained and as if he forced himself to speak which to be sure under the circumstances was not so very strange i am very glad to see you the doctor said though you were a day too late you know why didn't you give us warning before we all went and committed ourselves if we had known that you were coming ah that's what old brown said said mr cavendish with a slight shrug of his shoulders which was imprudent for the major was not so old as the doctor and besides was a much less important man in grange lane so you have been to see old brown said dr marjoribanks in his dry way he always was a great admirer of yours i can't wish you luck you know for if you win we lose oh i don't want you to wish me luck i don't suppose there can be much comparison between my chance and that of a new man whom nobody ever heard of in my time said the candidate for carlingford i thought you scotchmen doctor always liked to be on the winning side we've a way of making our side the winning side said dr marjoribanks grimly for he was touchy where his nationality was concerned health all right i hope he added looking at mr cavendish with that critical medical glance which shows that a verbal response is quite unnecessary this time there was in the look a certain insinuation of doubt on the subject which was not pleasant you are getting stout i see dr marjoribanks added not laughing but as if that too was poor mr cavendish's fault yes i am very well he answered curtly but the truth was that he did not feel sure that he was quite well after he had seen the critical look in dr marjoribanks's eye you young men always go too fast said the doctor with a strange little smile 
but the term at least was consolatory and after that dr marchbanks quite changed his tone have you heard woodburn talking of that great crash in town he said that india house you know i suppose it's quite true quite true said mr cavendish promptly and somehow he felt a pleasure in saying it i got all the particulars to-day in one of my letters and lots of private people involved which is always the way with these old houses he added with a mixture of curiosity and malice widows and all sorts of superannuated folks it is a great pity said the doctor i knew old lichfield once the chief partner i am very sorry to hear it's true and then the two shook hands and the brougham drove on as for mr cavendish he made up his mind at once that the doctor was involved and was not sorry and felt that it was a sort of judicial recompense for his desertion of his friends and he went home to tell his sister of it who shared in his sentiments and then it was not worth while going out any more that day for the electioneering agent who knew all about it was not coming till the last train i suppose i shall have to work when he is here mr cavendish said and in the meantime he threw himself into an easy chair perhaps that was why he was getting so stout and in the meantime the doctor went on visiting his patients when he came back to his brougham between his visits and went bowling along in that comfortable way along the familiar roads there was a certain glumness upon his face he was not a demonstrative man but when he was alone you could tell by certain lines about the well-worn cordage of his countenance whether all was right with the doctor and it was easy to see just at this moment that all was not right with him but he did not say anything about it when he got home on the contrary he was just as usual and told his daughter all about his encounter with mr cavendish a man at his time of life has no right to get fat it's a sort of thing i don't like to see and he'll never be a ladies man no more lucilla said the doctor with a gleam of humour in his eye he is exactly like george the fourth papa said miss marchbanks and the doctor laughed as he sat down to dinner if he had anything on his mind he bore it like a hero and gave no sign but then as mrs john very truly remarked when a man does not disclose his annoyances they always tell more upon him in the end, end of chapter forty two recording by Maricel Quee.